0: For more information or to plan your visit, check us out at citywalkchurch.com or on social media at WeRCityWalkCA. Morning, Citywalk Church. How are we this morning? All right. That actually wasn't very good. Let's try that again. So, how are you guys doing this morning? All right. Well, it is, it's a, I mean, this is a really good Sunday. The weather is, if we could like package this morning, that was a beautiful, I mean, the weather is great this morning. We're moving into fall, a lot going on at church, and, and one of the things that we uh, never want to take for granted in our gathering is when Jesus does something, and so I wanted to just give you a few things before we dive into part one of Heart Detox that we've seen Jesus do this week At City Walk Church, we we say this: our mission is to walk with people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. And uh, last week, when we were in here, we had a children's event uh, over in the children's area. And during that event, our Steve, Pastor Steve, gave the gospel to children, and he did he does a really good job explaining it in a way that is understandable. And we had eight children make decisions for Jesus Christ last week uh, at church. Absolutely. And we never want to take for granted when the Holy Spirit is using the Word of God in somebody's life, whether it is a child or somebody who's an adult. We're so excited when Jesus does something in people's lives. Another thing that we are really excited about this week We had, for the first time, we had four city groups meeting in our city. Uh, It's the first time we've had that. And so we had about 60 adults that were involved in city groups this week. And so that's an exciting thing because that's where people are finding freedom. That's where they're getting to know each other. And so we're just thankful for the leadership that God's brought. And so let's be excited about people getting connected. And and then the last thing, and I could go on because there's so many things But man, this Wednesday night, uh, I was at the city students, uh, they had a parent night. And last week, and I won't tell you who it was, if you were here last week, you'll remember, the person making announcements last week, that looks a lot like me, forgot to announce that we were having a parents night at city students. And so our city students' leaders had done a lot of work, had put a lot of time into it, and we weren't sure if anybody was going to show up, but I was there and, and it was cool to watch. Literally the whole room was full and we had to bring in tables and there was a bunch of parents and students there and our city students' ministry is now starting to go every single week and I was so impressed by our city students' leaders and how organized they were, and how much of a, a, like a program and a strategy they have this year to get into the lives of our kids. And so, man, it's been a really good week at City Walk, and we're just thankful when Jesus does something in anyone's life, it's something that we celebrate and are excited about, and never want to take it for granted. The last thing before we dive in is, you know, and this is another thing to celebrate, we have been, over the past three weeks, really focused on building our Bridge Builder team. And we call our volunteers Bridge Builders Week because we believe anyone who serves here at City Walk is helping build a bridge to somebody else meeting Jesus. And uh, we've been putting kind of some emphasis on building that team up for some things that God has for us in the future that we'll let you know about in the future. And, and it's been neat. We've had, I believe, 10 people that have already said, hey, I want to join a team just over the past few weeks. And uh, we, this is our last week that we're putting an emphasis on this. And right now we have 16 more spots that we're trying to fill that would allow us to have a, a bridge builder team that could really help us move into a strong fall. And so if, if you've been kind of praying about, hey, man, uh, maybe sh- I should be on guest experience or, you know what, maybe uh, I'd like to serve with children and really invest in them. Man, this is the, the week. To go back to the next steps table and say, yeah, I'll I'll be one of those 16. Put me down, and I want to be a part of this team that's reaching our community for Jesus Christ. And uh, and if you are a bridge builder, then then this next Saturday, we're going to have our special bridge builder event called the One Event uh, that is for you and for everyone on that team, and we're going to have a really good time. In fact, I I heard rumors that there might be a 90s kind of sing-off with a little boy band song for the guys and a little TLC or something like that for the girls. And so you, you may want to be there or just at least watch it on Facebook or something because you may be able to use that to blackmail someone down the road uh, because it's going to be pretty fun. Uh, but, but make sure you're there. It's going to be a good time. So let me pray for us, and then we're going to dive into what I believe is going to be an important series for each of us individually and for the life of our gathering. Lord Jesus, we are so thankful And never, never, never want to take for granted when you are at work. And God, over this past week, we have seen you at work in the lives of children. I thank you for, Lord, how you worked in my six-year-old. And Lord, what you've been doing in her life even this week. Lord, I thank you for the tremendous team of city students' leaders and how much they love teenagers and how much they invest so that they can influence the next generation. Thank you, God. Lord, I'm so thankful for the the many people that are a part of the Bridge Builder team here at City Walk that that come early and stay late so that they can reach people and share the love of you with people, God. And God, I pray this morning as, as we dive into this series, Heart Detox, that you would use it in each of our hearts, including mine. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, when you were growing up, and if you're a teenager or a kid, you can kind of understand this, and this is probably going on still in your life right now, but but every one of us, and, and your house had your own specific ones, but every one of us kind of grew up with specific rules in your house, and so you knew if it was your house that there were certain things you weren't supposed to say, there were certain places you weren't supposed to go, there were certain things that you weren't well, you could do it in some places, but you had to know where you could do it at to, to, to make everybody happy, and there was just some behaviors that you knew for your family were, were off limits, and probably your rules and the, my rules growing up, there was probably a lot of similarities, but every family has a few quirky rules that are just for them, and, and I want you to think back to when you were growing up, and if you're a teenager, you'll be like, I, I can list a few things right now for my parents. But but we all had the some of the similar rules, but then we all had a few rules that were kind of just for our family, that other families wouldn't really understand. One of the rules growing up for me was, and again, I was like, this is not that big of a deal, but it really was to my dad, is you do not go to church without socks on. Uh, of course you wear shoes. I mean, we're not, we, were, we didn't live in Alabama, we lived in Florida, and so, but but there were... Like my dad was like the shoes that you could wear without socks. It's like you can wear them anywhere, but you're gonna wear some socks under those shoes when you go to church. And I'm like, Dad, you don't get pregnant by not wearing socks. What's the deal? But for my dad, and and so man, I you know tried to sneak and do some things, but but that was a deal. And your family, you probably had a few kind of rules like that. That were like what. And your dad and mom probably didn't really know why they enforced them, but they started it. So they're like, I'm going to ride this one out and keep going with it. But, but you had some rules and probably you also had some deterrents that were specific to your family. There were some punishments that, hey, in your family, you knew these were the things that helped you do the right things. So in the Fincham family, we had a paddle. My mom wasn't one of those, hey, stick your nose in the corner and think about it. It was like, you know, bend over, think about it while you're getting a spanking. And and that was the deterrent as a little kid that that my mom and dad, and really mainly my mom, uh, used to kind of help us modify our behavior to make it appropriate. And then as I got older, probably like you, it it moved from, from the spanking to restrictions. And when I was a teenager, I was, there were several times I'm like, "Mom, can I just get a spanking? I'd rather not be grounded. I'd rather just take a spanking. But, but my family had certain things, and your, your family does too. There are certain things in your family, and maybe the family you grew up in, and maybe the family you're in now, that, that you do to kind of help your children make the right decisions. And, and there's certain things that you do to kind of help them detour from the wrong things. And and at the end of the day, basically what we're doing, it's behavior modification. We're saying, hey, you need to go this way, and if you decide to go this way, you're going to get this punishment or this consequence. And so whether we want to go this way or not, or whether our heart's in going this way or not, when we're younger, we decide, you know what? I think I'll go this way. Because I don't want to get involved in the consequences for not going this way. And then as we become parents, we find ourselves using some of the same tactics, unfortunately, that we had when we were kids. And so just like you, you've had several times in your life when you were going somewhere with your kids and before you pulled up, it was the, it's like the universal dad puts his arm over the front seat and leans back and gives the little quick speech. Like, okay, you will not throw yourself on the ground. You will like what they're serving, even if you really don't. You will smile and, you know, whatever that speech looked like in your family, but you probably had that. And again, we were trying to, and we do it as parents, we're trying to make our kids do something, and unfortunately, many times, it has nothing to do with the heart. It has a lot to do with behavior modification. And then we get older, and instead of having these consequences that are kind of modifying our behavior, what we do is we we build a really sophisticated filtering system. And we have a really sophisticated filtering system that we put into our life, and so we kind of watch ourselves, and and that filter stops some of the really stupid things we wanted to say from making their way out to where people can hear them. And, And... Maybe you're there and you're saying, you know what? I've actually had some times where the filter didn't work real well, and we all have, but but that's what we've done. When we were kids, it was behavior modification. It was, hey, do this, and you get this reward, or do this, or you get this consequence, but as we get older, it becomes this filtering system where we really work hard to kind of craft our image and our words in a way that we think will be appropriate and in a way that will get other people to kind of like what we say or do. In fact, in our, and I wrote this in my notes, our social media world actually helps us be good image crafters. It actually lends itself to filtering things so that, man, what we really feel and who we really are may never be shown because we filter everything to craft the image just the way we want to. And, and, and I wrote this in my notes, we subtly become more concerned with who people think we are on the outside than who we actually are on the inside. But without fail, that filtering system that we put together, that we work hard to make sure is strong, that we work hard to make sure stops anything that shouldn't get out from getting out, it breaks down. It it breaks down and, and we find ourselves saying things like this. You know what? That's not like me. Or, I can't believe I said that. Or, wow, that's not the guy I married. It wasn't like that. That filter must have caught it before we got married. But now, it seems like there's something different. And so what we've done is we, instead of focusing, and, and it wasn't always on purpose, instead of focusing on the heart, we have put a lot of emphasis on what's on the outside. And making sure that what comes out never offends. And what comes out doesn't hurt. What comes out doesn't put us in a bad position. But yet, down deep, every single one of us as we are in relationships understands that that is not a real fix. And we understand that there's holes in this system that we've created. There's holes in this system that we've been taught That that, that there's something much bigger that needs to be dealt with, and the Scriptures calls it the heart. And and when the Scriptures talk about the heart, it's not talking about the the organ that pumps blood in your chest. When the Scripture talks about the heart, it's talking about the mind, the will, the emotions, the, the, the real you on the inside that maybe nobody really knows about. And the scriptures, all throughout the scriptures, you hear, you hear the heart talked about. Sometimes it's called the soul. And it's a really big deal to God. And here's why. Because we are not a body with a heart. We are a heart with a body. See, see Genesis chapter 2, right at the very beginning of the, the, the very first book in our, our scriptures, it says this. Then the Lord God formed the man of the dust from the ground. And breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, breathed into his nostrils that, that heart, that soul, that on the inside, he breathed into the person that he had formed like a potter, the breath of life. And it was at that point that he became a living creature. Another passage of Scripture in the New Testament, a guy by the name of John, who was a really good friend of Jesus, said it this way. He said, Beloved, I pray that all may go well with you and that you may be in good health as it goes well with your soul or your heart. See, we, and we know this, are only as healthy as our heart is. And I don't mean physically, I mean emotionally, spiritually, obviously physically. But, but what John was saying is, hey, h- how are you doing? And not just how are you doing on the outside, but, but how you're doing is determined by what is going on on the inside, in your heart. And, and we understand this intellectually. We understand intellectually that there's more to life than what we see on the outside. But practically, we're so drawn and built to watch what's on the outside, there's this tension. It's why when you have a preschooler that goes off the rails in Target, you're not working on the kid's heart. Like you might, you maybe should, and maybe that's the Jesus thing to do. But when your preschooler is going off the rails, and everybody's looking at you in Target... As much as, yeah, you know there's something on the inside causing that, we are really captivated with what's on the outside, and we work to fix that quick. And intellectually, yeah, we know there's more to it than that, and there's a deeper issue than that, but at the end of the day, we don't want to be embarrassed, and so we take care of the issue on the outside as quick as possible. And so there's this tension where we know there's something much deeper, and you know this about yourself. There's times in your life when you're asking yourself the question, why did I do that? Why did I say that? Why did I think that? How could I have hurt that person in that way? And you know it's something on the inside. And this tension is something that Jesus dealt with. If you have your your Bible, and it'll be up on the screen or in the app. Look with me at Matthew chapter 15. Jesus is... is is talking to some people that have honestly come to kind of interrogate him. Some religious leaders were going to travel because they heard that Jesus was doing things that were against their tradition, and so they were coming to kind of interrogate him and find out more about it. And Jesus uses this opportunity to just literally go straight to the heart of the matter, and then he uses it to kind of teach his disciples. And so look with me at Matthew chapter 15, Verse 1, says, Then the Pharisees and scribes came to Jesus from Jerusalem. And they said, Why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? For they do not wash their hands when they eat. You're like, really? You're traveling from Jerusalem to talk to Jesus because his disciples forgot to wash their hands before they ate? And, And here's what the issue was. And the the Pharisees and these religious leaders had this kind of, they had this elaborate washing ritual that to them made you more spiritual. And so they were coming to Jesus because, hey, your boys, they don't do this elaborate washing ritual. Why why aren't your boys doing this? And, and, And so here's Jesus. And I love, he doesn't like beat around the bush with these guys. He goes right after them. He says this. He says, he answered them. And why do you break the commandment of God for the sake of your tradition? All right, you're coming to me talking about how we're not keeping up the tradition. Well, why do you do the same thing in other areas? He says, For God commanded, honor your father and your mother, and whoever reviles father or mother must surely die. He says, hey, you guys, you guys are the ones that, that, that really are excited about these commandments. And one of them actually is honor your father and mother. And if you don't, you get killed. You remember that commandment that you guys are really excited about? Like our, our, our kids these days, they, they get upset if like we take the screen away from them for a day. Back in this time, it was like you don't honor your father and mother. It goes really you. And so Jesus said, hey, you remember that, that little command that you guys are real excited about? He says this, he says, but you say, if anyone tells his father or his mother, what you would have gained from me is given to God. He need not honor his father. So for the sake of your tradition, you have made void the word of God. So listen to what these dudes were doing. Jesus says, hey, you know this whole honor your father and mother thing? Well, here's what you guys do. Instead of taking care of your mother and your father, instead of giving them the the finances and resources that they need, you're such selfish guys that what you do is you pretend like you've given that money to God. And because you've given that money to God, then you get off the hook of giving it to your parents. And so you guys are like using the system to get your own agenda. And you guys are off the rails yourself. And and, and he goes on in verse 7. He says, you hypocrites. He says, well, did Isaiah prophesy of you when he said, this people honors me with their lips. You people honor God with the outside. But your heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me. Teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. He says, you guys, you guys are so worried about the outside. You're so worried about keeping everything clean on the outside. But on the inside, your hearts are far from God. And this worship that you're so excited about and all this stuff you think you're doing for God is actually worthless. Because on the inside, you're dead. Your heart's a mess. And so all this stuff you do on the outside literally is worthless. Your worship is worthless. And so Jesus, like he does many times, as he takes this opportunity, as he's talking to these religious leaders and his guys, the disciples are around him, he takes this opportunity to teach them. And he reminds them that the religious leaders had this whole thing backwards, and because of it, they would be judged. And he reminds them that they were so they're so focused on the outside, where God is much more concerned on what's on the inside than what's on the outside. And then Jesus goes on a few verses later, as he's kind of teaching his guys, he says this. But what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart, and this defiles a person. What comes out of the mouth, it, it proceeds from you on the inside. It proceeds from the real you. See, the, the, the mouth is a really, really clear window of the heart. And, and Jesus is saying, hey, man, the, these guys, what they're saying with their mouth, it's really just showing us very clearly what's on the inside. It's showing us their heart because what we say is just an extension of the heart. It's why if you're dating somebody... And he's like running his mouth a lot, it isn't gonna get better. Like the filter's probably strong right now, it's gonna get thinner as you get married to him. And what he's saying on the outside, you think, oh, it's not him, it's just uh, he's having a bad day. No, 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 it's probably him. Like what he's saying, it's probably who he is because what comes out of our mouth comes from our heart. I like what Maya Angelou said. She said, when someone shows you who they are, believe them the first time. See, the question we we ask each other, you know, how are you doing? How was your week? Probably the better question is how's your heart? What's going on on the inside? And Jesus, as he's talking to his disciples and he's using this to kind of teach them, he's saying, you know, guys, there's something much bigger than everything people looks at on the outside. It's the heart. And, and Jesus goes on in verse 19 and kind of makes it more uncomfortable. He says, for out of the heart comes evil thoughts. Your, your mom told you you were a good person. Your mom lied to you. You're actually like the stuff you do. It's, it's actually who you are. It's on the inside. He says, murder, not, and not necessarily like killing someone, that obviously comes from the heart, but maybe killing a relationship, you know what, that, that, that proceeds from the heart. Adultery, this idea of lust, it, it, it proceeds from what's on the inside. Sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander, this idea of jealousy and, and tearing people down to feel better about yourself. Jesus says all these things, they come from who you really are on the inside. And if we're honest, we hate this. I mean, this is not comfortable to think about. And here's why. Because if we're honest, we don't like taking the blame. I would much rather blame my parents. I'd much rather blame the government. I'd much rather blame my circumstances for how I'm acting. I don't want to look at myself and say, hey, this is why I am the way I am. It's because of what's on my heart. And so, we, man, this sometimes can get uncomfortable when we really start to think about, you know what, the reason I said that, the reason I was a jerk, was actually because that's what was in my heart. And, and we don't necessarily like to take the blame, and all you got to do is go to a playground with a bunch of little kids, and walk up to the little boy that just punched his friend, and ask him, so why'd you just punch your friend, buddy? See how long it takes him to start blaming somebody else. Very rarely will you see a seven-year-old say, you know what, I was angry on the inside and it was on me. No, it's usually, oh, because he made fun of me or he hit me first or I didn't like that or he took the swing from me. and, and And that little kid doesn't have to think about it. It's like what comes out naturally is, hey, I did this wrong thing because of these four things that happened to me or around me, and so that's kind of what I'm putting the blame on. And so one of the reasons we don't like this necessarily, or it can be a little uncomfortable, is because we're not natural blame takers. It doesn't come natural. But the second reason is, let's be honest, we're a little bit lazy. And I mean that in the nicest way, and here's what I mean. Like, I'd much rather get a quick fix. If you tell me I got a heart issue and I got to really dig in and and get help with my heart, like, it's much easier to just get something that'll fix this thing quick. But when, when you start telling me, Jesus, that the reason I'm jealous and angry, the reason that I lust, the reason that I'm proud is because of what's going on in my heart. And that I need to have your help on the inside, that's a process. And I don't like processes. I like quick fixes. And so many times because of our laziness and because we don't necessarily like to take the blame, this is not a real popular thing to talk about. And what's interesting is Jesus' brother James echoed the exact same thing that Jesus said in his writing. It says this in James chapter 4. James, Jesus' brother, he poses this question. He says, what causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Like, Like, why is there stuff going on on the outside? Why am I arguing? Why is there all these things happening? Why do I act that way? Why did I say that? Why do my kids act that way? Why am I angry? Why am I jealous? Why did I fight with them? Why did I get into that argument? And James answers his own question. He says this, Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You know why you fight? You know why you're angry? You know why and you fill in the blank? It's because of something on the inside that's working its way to the outside. See, I wrote this. Our society says blame and Jesus says heart. Our society says, hey, it can't be you. It must be something around you that caused you to do that. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. Yeah, there's some, there's some things around you that affect you, and, and we'll talk about that here in a second, but it's probably a lot to do with what's on the inside. It's, it's probably a lot, much, a much bigger part of the answer is what's on the inside. So you're saying, you, think, you might be thinking, so Chris, are you saying that my upbringing my environment, my circumstances have no bearing on my actions? No, that's not what I'm saying at all. In fact, I wrote this in my notes. Your circumstances, your upbringing, your environment have incredible influence on shaping your heart. It's why even if you're not a follower of Jesus, you should lean in for the sake of your kids, because what goes on in life comes from their heart and the environment they're in and the circumstances around them have a great influence on how that heart is shaped. And so yeah, it's a, it's a big deal what we watch. It's a big deal what we listen to. It's a big deal places we go. All those things are true because they have tremendous power on the shaping of our hearts. But also this. They provide a door for the heart to show itself. So so for instance, if your boss is a jerk to you and your work environment is toxic, it gives your heart a fertile place to show itself. So, man, if, if your kids are in a terrible environment, man, and, and they act out, you know what? That environment kind of gives them a fertile opportunity to show what's on the inside. And so, yes, environment, circumstances, upbringing, all have a part in this. And and, and, and Jesus w- w- was never saying, hey, you know, it's you, th- all that stuff doesn't matter. He was just saying, hey, That stuff isn't the cause. The cause is what's in the heart, but those things have tremendous power on how that heart is influenced and shaped. And so it is a big deal. It's why there was a a guy by the name of Solomon who was the wisest man who ever lived, who wrote much of the the Proverbs and wrote much of the kind of the, the poetry parts of the scriptures. It's why when he was writing to his kids, he said this, because it's such a big deal. He said in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, he said, keep or guard your heart with all vigilance. And then he says this, for from it flows the springs of life. And again, he's not writing to a church He's not writing. He's writing to his kids. And so, man, he he understands the importance of the heart. He understands the importance on the heart for for what's going to happen in every single area of their life their marriages, their jobs, their leadership, their parenting. He understands that. And so, his advice to his sons is simply this guard your heart, protect your heart, because out of your heart comes your life everything that means anything to you in your life, it comes from your heart. It affects your marriage. It affects your parenting. It affects how you treat people. It affects how you handle resources. It all comes from what's on the inside. And because of that, you need to guard your heart. Keep your heart. You say, but nobody really... That's a really cool thing to... Think about, but no one taught us how to do that. Like, how do you guard? Like, how do you guard your heart? I mean, you got your rib cage kind of protects the organ, but how do you guard your heart? And and I think the the first kind of entry into what it means to guard your heart is simply to recognize that there's an issue. We have to recognize that. You know what? I struggle with anger. I struggle with anxiety. I struggle with my motives. I struggle with hopelessness. I struggle, like, there's, there's something going on in my heart, and I think the first step in guarding our heart is just to admit, hey, this is what's really going on in my unfiltered self. There's something going on in my heart that is not Good. And yeah, I've done a really good job at trying to filter it and making sure nobody else really knows what's going on. But at the end of the day, something's going on in my heart. And many times, that what's going on in your heart, it kind of feels like a weight. You've been there. Where, where there's something going on in the inside and it almost feels like a weight that's, that's weighing you down. And, and we have this choice. We can... Where that weight is, and where that uncomfortableness is, and where we know there's something going on in the inside that's probably not pretty, we can avoid it, we can filter it, or we can lean into it. I wrote this in my notes, the weight you feel is a window into what God wants to reveal. That weight you feel on the inside, that's weighing you down, might just be the window That God is gonna use to really help you take care of what's on the inside that you've been working so hard, some of us, for decades to keep filtered from the outside. And so, just like I said, we have a choice. And and for most of us, we've we've been kind of doing the avoiding for most of our lives because we know that's what's like socially appropriate. So, so we kind of avoid the weight. And we we really work hard and just kind of put a lot of duct tape on our filter to make sure the thing holds up so that nothing that's really embarrassing or hurtful gets out. And so that's one of our choices. Or, like I said earlier, we can lean in with this idea that that this weight in our heart, this thing that's weighing us down, that's come into our life, not because we wanted it there, but because it got there just through life. That it might just be a window into what God wants to do. And and here's what I'll say this. If it's not worth it for you to kind of work on your heart for yourself, do it for your kids. Do it for the next generation. I wrote this. And obviously I'm a dad, so this is kind of why I said it this way. Dads, you will want the respect of your adult children... And what you do now will determine if you have it. Like what we do with the stuff in our heart that some of us have gotten passed on. I mean, it's literally a generational thing. Your dad struggled with it and his dad struggled with it. And and man, we we tried to mask it all different ways and tried to kind of keep it from hurting people too much. Like we can be that generation that just continues to pass it on and not deal with it. Or for the next generation, we can say instead of kind of, Avoiding it instead of masking it, I'm going to lean into the weight and I'm going to ask God to do heart surgery on me. Because my kids are worth it. The next generation is worth it. And honestly, you're worth it. Jesus is worth it. See, my dad, I'm I, so proud of my dad. My dad, I'm proud of my dad for a lot of reasons, but my dad grew up in a house where his dad never uttered the words, I love you, where he would come home and according to how his dad's day went, would determine if he got the crap beat out of him that night. My grandpa struggled with a lot of things. And Jesus worked on his heart as he got older, but he struggled with a lot of things. And you know what my dad did? His whole family was in the Midwest. He said, you know what we're going to do? We're moving to Florida. The only person in his whole family that didn't live around. But he said, we're not keeping this going on. My kids aren't being influenced by this. We're breaking this cycle. And my dad wasn't a perfect dad, and he would be the first one to tell you. And he struggled with different issues. But I watched my dad humble himself many times and do hard work on his heart for the sake of his kids. And I'm so proud of him, and I want to be that for the next generation, as I know you do. And what's beautiful about this is this is the essence of following Jesus. Because Jesus didn't give his life to modify our behavior, but to transform our hearts. It wasn't worth it for Jesus to make sure that I wore socks to die on the cross for that. Like, you know what? This whole dying on the cross thing, we'll just let Chris go without wearing socks, Like modifying the behavior wasn't worth it. He died, rose from the dead, came because he wanted to see transformation on the inside. And what's sad is sometimes our pursuit of better behavior can actually hinder us from following Jesus. And and these were these Pharisees that Jesus dealt with. Man, they, they did so much to try to check all the boxes and make sure everything on the outside looked great. And they were keeping all the rules. And yet, they died without a relationship with Jesus, most of them. And so the thing they were working so hard for, they missed. And he was actually standing a few feet from them. And so, and, and here's what here's what's so important. Because sometimes... When we talk about stuff like this, it makes we that grew up in a kind of conservative kind of Christian churches, it makes us a little nervous. And here's why. What about behavior? Like, I don't want my kids doing all the craziness. And you know what? I What about the, the outside? And here's what Jesus knew that sometimes we forget. A transformed heart leads to transform behavior and so that's how why Jesus could sit down with the prostitute or the tax collector and never talk about the prostitution and never talk about being a thief But because of the relationship Jesus started with them and because their heart transformed, they actually, many of them went above and beyond in their change of their behavior than probably anyone would have asked them to. Like, I'm not just going to pay back a little bit of what I take. I'm actually going to pay back several times what I stole. But Jesus didn't tell you you had to do that. No, no, no. He changed my heart and this is what it led me to do. And so for, for those of us that get a little nervous, like, man, we got to make sure the outside looks right. Well, what if we focused on the heart, believing as Jesus did that a transformed heart would lead to transformed behavior every single time? And it might not lead as fast as we want it to, and it might not look exactly the way we want it to look, but I'm going to go with the guy that raised from the dead and kind of his thoughts, his opinions, his way of doing it, because it seemed to work well for him. And so as we begin to close, where does that leave us? I mean, we're just getting into this thing, this heart detox kind of, we're just entering this series, but where does it leave us? Well, well could we just have a transparent moment right now? Could, could I tell you this? I have heart issues. Does that surprise you? If you know me, you probably doesn't. I mask my heart issues. I'm really good at filtering. I know that this is incredibly unhealthy and will hurt the people I love the most. I know all that. And I'm not okay with it. And so I, I need Jesus to detox me from the inside out. And and I'm guessing, I mean, there might be some really good people in here, but I'm guessing if I was to say, hey, is there anybody like me in the room that except for the liars, everybody would raise their hand. Because every single one of us has a filter over our heart that we filter all of it through. And for some of us, we've been carrying stuff in our heart for decades. And it's just become normal. And and is it is it possible that Jesus could take his word and his spirit and his body and help us deal with things that we have been struggling with for decades? Is it possible? Or we just got to go through life and just never deal with it and just kind of pass it on to the next generation. So where are you weighed down? Where are you weighed down on the inside? How's your heart? The, the weight you feel is a window into what God wants to reveal. And so I would encourage you to do the abnormal and lean into what is feeling like a weight. See, if you avoid it or make excuses, you'll actually fit in in our society. But you won't ever have freedom. You'll make it through life and we might all think you have it all together all the way to the end, but you will never gain freedom just like I won't if we don't lean into what God's doing in our heart. So are you mad at anybody? Are you waiting around for someone to come to make things right with you? Are you having imaginary conversations in your head with other people? Do do things come out of your mouth on a regular basis that you should apologize for? Have you secretly celebrated someone's failure in the past several days? Is there something in your life that you hope nobody asks about? Is there secrets? Have you lied recently to somebody that's close to you? Do you like who you're becoming? what's weighing you down and here's what I want to do if, if, if you're here and you'd say and I'm not going to ask you to get up or raise your hand or anything like that but here's what I am going to ask you to do if, if on the inside there's a weight that you've been filtering would you pray something with me this week would you simply pray this Jesus I'm listening Reveal what's in my heart, so that I can find freedom in you. Would you be willing to pray that this week? I'm, this is remember, this isn't like a quick fix thing, but it, but it starts with just saying, "Hey Jesus, I'm actually going to slow down enough this week to really listen." And God, I don't even I don't even know. And the Scriptures tells us that we don't even know how evil our heart really is. Like we. We, we think it's better than it really is. We don't even know the depths. And so would you just, between you and God this week, would you just be willing to say, Jesus, I'm listening. Reveal what's in my heart so I can find freedom in you. Let's pray. Jesus, we... Are so thankful that you came not to modify our behavior. You didn't come so that we would make you proud when we go into Target and behave really well for you. You came to transform our hearts. Lord, you came to transform the lust in our hearts. You came to transform the hate. You came to transform the pride the selfishness, the bigotry. Lord, you came and gave yourself to give us freedom. And God, we have become so good, and I I have, at at just putting a filter on things and, and trying to make sure I act the way I'm supposed to act. But God, I pray for myself and I pray for my friends this morning that we would not be content with living a filtered life. God, I pray that you would, in this moment even now, begin to show us with clarity the areas in our heart that don't please you, the areas in our heart that are so destructive to the people we love the most. And God, I pray that over the next few weeks that we would lean into what you're saying to us, that we would lean into each other, and God, that you would transform us on the inside.